Welcome to A Pod of Their Own, Episode 2. Um, this is a show, a new show from Amazing Avenue Audio, where the women of Amazing Avenue talk to you about all things Mets and also, um, you know, all sorts of social justice issues in baseball and various other um, topics that we feel like covering. Um, so as far as the Mets go this week, um, you know, we're going to talk about our impressions of the team with a slightly larger sample size now. Um, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hello. How are you? Good. How about you? And Maggie Wigan. Hi, Allison. Hi, Maggie. Um, so what do you guys think about the team now? I think that mostly the offense looks pretty good <laughs> so far. I mean, imagine that game Sunday. If they actually had a bullpen, they probably could have pulled that one out. That would have been quite good. <laughs> Well, it's one of those, like, you don't blame them in that scenario for, like, sticking with the two guys who gave up all the runs because up against um, up against Scherzer, like, it, it doesn't, the, the numbers do not go in their favor. But if, but if they had not stuck with those guys, mm-hmm. even just, like, a little bit less than... It absolutely would have been a crazy comeback, but you can't count on the crazy comebacks. The math does not, does not work out. So I don't know. It's definitely maddening, but, um, but yeah, the offense is nice. And at least Luca looked good though. I think both Luca and Gazelman were the only ones who pitched clean innings on Sunday. So at least that was a step forward for them since Luca especially had been struggling. Yeah. My mom, we need, my mom texted me saying she listened to the show and she said, you cursed Luco season. <laughs> and now I can be like, no, mom, I didn't. Well, and Lugo, Seth Lugo is going to be much, much more important to the Mets plans than Tim Peterson. Like that's, yeah. um, if someone's going to be stinking up the joint, that's who it should be. Um, although Wheeler also kind of important to the Mets plans, So don't love that. Yeah, they can't afford to have him stinking up the joint. <laughs> yeah, Wheeler not being good early is extremely troubling to the potential success of this team. The pitching outside of the, the non-DeGrom Syndergaard contingent of the pitching, Steven Matz has been pretty good, but the problem is is that neither Wheeler nor Matz nor Vargas has been going deep into games, and that's a huge issue. Uh, and that's like, you know, taxing on the bullpen. And if the bullpen is shaky already in middle relief, I would hate to see what would happen to it if they continue to only go four or five innings every start in the last three pitchers of our rotation. That's an issue. Well, Edwin Diaz is definitely going to throw like 95 innings this year and get 80 saves. Yep. I was going to say it's already, what is it? April 9th and the bullpen's already gassed. Like, that's a problem. It's not what you want. No, it's definitely not what you want. And I'm like, I get like Mickey's bullpen has been, for like his bullpen management has been a problem. But at the same time, you need to rely on these people to get outs. And I don't know if there's anybody who's been reliably doing that other than Diaz. 
And well, did Lou go the last time? Jake, no. I know. I just saw Shit. it too. Sorry, we won't we won't do these live game updates usually on the pod. It's but... just really hard when you're sitting there and you get the in play runs and then it goes no. up to yeah, it's bad. As um, I turned every... into the NHL draft model. We should we should just put it away. We should just put it. Away. I'm gonna That's I'm gonna I'm gonna, gonna put cry. it away now. As we yeah. record, I will update our listeners. As we record this on Tuesday night, April 9th, um, Jacob Degrom just gave up a two-run homer making the oh, score so the four to gone. one. So oh. there will be no uh, quality start record set by Jacob deGrom on this night, which is, you know, a really But he will remain tied with Bob Gibson, and there are worse things in life. And he's number one in our hearts always. 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 <laughs> and, you know, even Ace's struggle, I'm not worried about Jake. He, he'll be fine. <laughs> well, I do wonder, are there any good pitching free agents out there on the market right now? Hmm. Huh. <laughs> fancy that um i mean that's... what's frustrating is at this point like they are whether it's kimbrell Keuchel, whoever they're they're not going to be ready for like the month now at best so the mets and every other team in the league for that matter has sort of stuck themselves in a quarter in a corner on this one um but yeah it would would be would be really nice and show a legit commitment to being this win now team that they say they are if they went out and signed one of those fine gentlemen. And I think at this point, it doesn't matter which one because both will help. But I think the starting pitching depth is more of the issue right now. I agree. Um, like Flexin is your pitching depth and he hasn't looked great at the major league level. And then they also traded away Justin Dunn. Um, you you know, who knows what David Peterson's capable of. And Zach Wheeler and Jason Vargas are both free agents at the end of the year. So if you give Keiko a two-year deal, if, you know, Vargas is for sure not going to be here next year, then... He might not even be there this year. No. (laughs) So, you know, if you give Keiko a two-year deal, at least you have him for if you lose both or one or both. And then you can figure it out from there. If with, if Flexen with his weight loss turns it around or you know Corey whatever it's not terrible but i don't want him starting 25 games a season yeah that's the problem i have no yeah. issue with oswald yeah. as a spot starter but it's an issue if he becomes your fifth starter for any length of time and um, i don't think mickey trusts him past five innings either right and that's exactly part of the issue the non-degrom syndicard con- contingent of the rotation is just not going deep into games um, and that will continue to be an issue, whether it's, you know, Vargas or Oswalt or Flexen. Um, Flexen did have a good first start um, to his minor league season, so that's encouraging. Um, but, you know, these are guys that are fine spot starters, but you don't want to rely on them with any regularity. And Keuchel significantly deepens this team um, and makes it so that, you know, you have six guys who could be starting pitchers in your rotation rather than the rest of them being in the minor leagues. So. And, like, I don't think anybody expects Keigel to be the Cy Young winner he was from a few years ago. But, I mean, he's still a significant upgrade than what you have waiting for you in the minors. Right. No one's saying Keigel's the savior for the Mets. No. We're saying he could be a solid third or fourth starter. And that's all we need him to be. Um, you know, his peripherals are very Steven Matz-like. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's exactly the type of pitcher that we need, like another Steven Matz replicate. That's fine. But we, but it would deepen this team if we had that. 
Um, and he you, gives you innings. Right. Like he's been relatively healthy in his career, and that's what you need. You need somebody to go out there every fifth day and give you six innings, maybe three runs, and rely on the offense to take it from there. And this offense is capable of that. Right. Exactly. Um, but, you know, on the bright side of things, even as the Mets are losing as we speak, but on the bright side of things, um, what I keep coming back to, um, even though, you know, the Mets warts have been very clear early, make no mistake, the bullpen looks not very good, the starting pitching beyond the top two is shaky, the offense looks good for the time being, but you know, to me, I, when I look at the other teams in the NL East, I see almost the exact same story. Um, whether it's the Phillies, the Nationals, or the Braves, they all have similar issues to the Mets and similar warts to the Mets. Um, all of those teams have decent lineups. I would say the Phillies and the Nationals have really good lineups. Um, they all have, you know, top starters who are good. Um, the Nationals have a strong, very strong top three. Um, the Phillies have Aaron Nola at the top of their rotation. He's excellent. Um, but, you know, all the bullpens have struggled early, especially the Nationals bullpen looks even more horrendous than the Mets bullpen. Um, I think the Nats still have the worst bullpen in baseball. If they I, do. Unless I something has changed yeah. drastically. The best, the best bullpen in the NL East right now is actually the Marlins. Correct. So <laughs> go figure. Like, I mean, okay, that's fine, Marlins. You can have the, the best bullpen. That's okay. Yeah, the Marlins, Marlins. the Marlins break, if I recall correctly, the last time I checked, and this is not, you know, like taking the most recent games into account, but the last time I checked, the Marlins, Braves, and Mets were all kind of clustered in the low fours as far as bullpen ERA, and then, you know, the Phillies were like seven point something, and then the Nationals were like 11 point something, which was the worst in baseball when I looked. So I don't even know, like... Doesn't Trevor Rosenthal still have an infinity ERA? Like, how do you yes. even factor that in? He does. And what I, 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 mean, I know this is not going to happen, but before one of them breaks their respective streaks, I would kill for a Trevor Rosenthal, Chris Davis matchup. <laughs> it is the, it's the stoppable force versus the movable object. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm dying for it. I'm, uh, it would be amazing. I, mean, I feel awful though for Rosenthal. Like I, it's a, been a tough road for coming back from Tommy John. Like, can't they like just IL him? Like something. You can't keep running him out there at this point. Like it would be a mercy just to even like put him on the IL just to like clear his head or something. Yeah, it's getting to the point where they're gonna they're gonna almost have to do that. Send him to extended spring while extended yeah. spring is still happening. Get him right. I mean, you know, the guy may not be any good after Tommy John, but he's certainly not this bad. I'm sure. Well, and um, they just can't keep sending him up there. Like that's the other thing is like, how many more outings like this does he have before you just literally cannot put him into a game? And you yeah. can't hamstring your roster like that by having one roster spot occupied for a pitcher where you literally trust in zero situations. Especially um, when there are several other roster spots for pitchers <laughs> who you trust in very, very few situations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, his velocity was fine in spring, so it's just, I, I don't know. I, he just can't find the zone. I mean, I think he did have a wild pitch or two in the last game it just and then that even had gary and 
Ron thinking it might be the yips now at this point. Like it's kind of like Rick Han Keel. It gets in your head. It does. Yeah, that's for sure. But yeah, that's my that's my. Even though I feel for Trevor Rosenthal, and I'm not one to be happy witnessing something like that happen. Um, the positive side of seeing the Mets warts for what they are is realizing that none of the NL East teams are perfect. Um, the Phillies look awfully good. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but you know, all of the NL East teams are flawed in a similar way. So I'm not ready to, you know, panic <laughs> 10 games into the season yet, just because the Mets have had some bullpen issues, you know, although it does ones. make me, it makes me even more want to see them take the steps to, to address it. those issues because like here's like the the window is wide open right. um we knew it was going to be a dogfight all year and and i feel like the team that that acts the quickest to bolster itself is is going to end up having a really big advantage exactly and when i made the argument on the site back in February when I wrote an article pleading for the Mets to sign Dallas Keuchel. This was the point I made because at the time, the projections for the NL East were extremely close. And so even if this goes back to the point that no one is expecting Dallas Keuchel to be a savior, but even if he is a two and a half win pitcher, two and a half wins is, you know, huge in the grand scheme of things when you're talking about three wins, maybe separating the first place team from the fourth place team in the NL East. Um, and Chris made that point again when he wrote another piece recently on the site um, pleading for the Mets to sign Keiko because it still makes so much sense. And so I agree with you, Maggie. I think that the first team to really jump on that, jump on the Kimbrel or the Keiko that's out there is going to be the team that comes out on top. And it's all the more reason for the Mets to look at this and say, look, there's an opportunity here and we need to seize it. And that would really kind of invigorate the fan base, too. Like, oh, yeah, they really are all in. They definitely are going for it. You know, they're serious about, you know, you know, getting a one-up on their closest rivals who are all having the same issues. And, like, if Keiko does, you know, give you six or seven innings a night, that kind of saves Mickey from himself from having to go into the bullpen. It's all Justin Wilson, Jairus, Familia. Edwin Diaz ball game. So he Mickey doesn't have to think if you have a starter giving you length every game. Don't tempt Mickey into doing a double switch with two position no. players because it's gonna happen. It's He's gonna, gonna happen. do it. No. It's gonna be like a like a Cindergard complete game in the eighth inning. He's gonna be like, mm, let's take out Lagares and and Alonzo for whatever. Like it's just gonna be. <laughs> or he the, the man cannot help himself. <laughs> He lives and breathes the double switch. Yeah, it's... It's like he's, like, going in the opposite direction. Like, hey, guys, look what I can do. Look at my new skill that I figured out. It's like, you don't have to do it every time. It's okay. (laughs) I swear, he read one article when he was hired that said, like, hmm, will he learn how to do the double switch moving over to the National League? And he was like, double switch? I should read up on that. And then all he read up on. Yeah. But can, like, Rakelman be like, Mickey, no, no, now's not the time, buddy. <laughs> like, what is Rakelman doing? <laughs> I don't know. Biding his time. <laughs> soon. 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 <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, in summary, um, we like the offense. Pitching is questionable behind the Gravids and the guards, so, therefore, sign Keichel, you cowards. Right now, the latest thing that's been uh, circulating around the baseball world 
and on Twitter that all three of us have been made aware of <laughs> is that the Cubs had a sign um, outside of their press box. Um, it was a sign from, you know, times past um, from the 40s. When, how old is the sign? Retro, 70, 74 years old? Probably not as old as we'd all like to think it is. Right. <laughs> but it said um, it said no women allowed. Um, and, you know, it has since come out that the Cubs kind of meant it more as like a testament to how far we've come, I guess. But it was a really bad look and it got a really bad reaction, obviously, um, on Twitter and around the baseball world. There were articles written about it. And so the Cubs promptly took the sign down and replaced it with, you know, a, uh, a scene from one of their like pink out games, I think. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's that's good that they at least recognized uh, that that was a bad look. But, you know, kind of almost too little too late on that front. Um, like, I think also... the problem, like the problem, I think, is that it was it was in a press box. It wasn't in like their museum. It wasn't it's a, in a place where women still don't feel welcome. Like maybe in practice, women are allowed. But in some people's minds, they still think no women allowed. Like even in the article last week that we talked about with Susan Waldman, she said um, tolerated but not accepted. So the sentiment is still there. So you can't put this up as like a testament of, oh, look how far we come because this the feelings are still lingering around baseball. Well, it's just a reminder that that no women were in the room when that image was chosen like right. yeah obviously. it would have really only taken one to be like mm, i don't think it's very funny like susan wallman got death threats like 15 years ago like maybe we're not ready to joke about women not being allowed yet like yeah. maybe that's you know hashtag too soon exactly and like yeah like People keep saying, oh, why are you so upset about something that's ancient history? Because it's not. That's no, exactly not the ancient. point. It's not ancient history. This is still happening. And while these things are still happening, maybe it's not okay to be like, ha, 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 look at this old sign from when women weren't allowed. Like, <laughs> yeah. slightly tone like, deaf. When it's time to joke about it, we will joke about it. Right. Yeah, we'll let you know. Exactly. We'll let you know. Yeah. And, but now it's not now. I can tell you that much, Cubs. And I mean, also, if any team doesn't get the benefit of the doubt, it's the Cubs. Like oh the way, <laughs> right? Yeah, like right. with the Aroldis Chapman, with Addison Russell, and how they handled the domestic violence, with you know their ownership, their problematic ownership. Like you don't get to go anywhere near. Like it, yeah, you just don't get the benefit of the doubt, Cubs. Yeah, and I we, guess like I will begrudgingly give them credit for responding very quickly, but. But that that is a that is a low bar that I feel like they're meeting with that. And also, I I kind of get this feeling like that was the only picture they had related to women lying quick, anywhere. Quick, put up around. a lady. They're like, quick, the breast cancer picture. Hurry, hurry. Quick, put up but a lady like, thing. But yeah, so just in case anybody's like, oh man, they just can't win with us ladies. I'm like, here, here you go. Yeah, congratulations. Here's my, here's my golf <laughs> you clap. Did, you did the bare minimum. All right. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part was who was the one that gave the quote that was like I didn't have my glasses on so I didn't see that it said no women allowed and I was like are you kidding me like no that's not okay like if something's going up in your press box don't you kind of know what it says before it goes up you'd it was, think so it was three 
It was three words. Yeah, but and it wasn't hidden. It was right there. It was right there. In bold. Oh, the, the Cubs business president, Crane Kenny. <laughs> recognized the image when showed on an iPhone as the pink poodle credential before the game. However, he refused to comment on it, saying he couldn't read the no women admitted text because he didn't have his glasses. What? <laughs> LOL. That's something else. Like, that's still not an excuse. I'm sorry. It's, it's just that that's not going to fly. It's pretty lame. But, um, you know, exactly as Maggie said, they get some slow golf claps for um, responding quickly. But the overwhelming male response to this of why is this a big deal and hijacking the conversation and continuing to gaslight women over these things um, does not get any slow golf claps at all. <laughs> Well, even that NPR article that went up, I think, yesterday about how yep. MLB is trying to get more women involved in in baseball and in front offices, like, the replies to it were a dumpster fire. Like, we haven't come as far as we would hope, and we still have a ton of work to do. So just to, you know, flippantly put that sign up is just another slap in the face. Like, you're still clueless. We haven't come as far as you think. Right. Well, it's also the issue of, the people who are saying this is not a real problem. It's just, you know, you're oversensitive. There are real challenges to women that are important and to be addressed. They, the people saying that are never actually doing anything about the more pressing issues for women. Right. Like these, no. these are never people who are like, you know, marching for women's rights or anything. They, it's just, it's just a shut you up kind of tactic where they're saying, you know, well, how can you worry about this when there are women getting murdered and wherever? And it's like, they're both, both things can be a little bit bad. Yeah. We are capable. Things can be-, where they be bad and one a little bit bad and one not so little like that's, but yeah. We are capable of, you know, being mad at both about both things at the same time <laughs> i can be mad about lots of things thank you very much Fully capable it, is, it is one of my strong suits as a person one of my many <laughs> talents i am capable of being mad about quite a few things at once. so many things and now that we all have phones i could just write them down uh-huh. I just keep like like what am i mad about today okay one <laughs> i won't do that but i could we are going to do our first mailbag segment, and we are going to call these mailbag segments the seventh inning stretch. Um, so we've gotten a few emails to our new um, podcast-specific email, which is super exciting. So I would like to read them for you. Um, there have been uh, two that we'd like to highlight so far. Um, one of them is more of a comment um, that we're just trying to recognize, and then the second one um, poses a question to us that we're going to discuss. Um So the first email is from Marcus, um, and Marcus says, I just listened to your first episode, and I wanted to say thanks for the great episode. I was excited that there will be an all-female podcast from Amazing Avenue, and the first episode was even better than expected. I really loved the segment about Susie Waldman and your perspectives on race and especially gender in sports. Um, Thank you so much, Marcus, for the kind comments. Marcus goes on to say that he's from Hamburg, Germany, and he roots for the St. Pauli um, soccer team. Um, And, you know, there's a lack of representation in um, the St. Pauli podcast as well, even though the fan base is super political and progressive and overwhelmingly, um, you know, there's a lot of women in that fan base. Um, And if he was trying to get me to be a St. Pauli fan, 
achieved because yeah that, I'm that invested sounds, in I'll, I'll, I'll adopt them sure I've heard a lot of good things I mean I'm I'm a soccer fan but I mostly follow women's soccer um but I've heard great things about the St. Pauli um fans and the St. Pauli uh club so I'm uh, yeah. pumped yeah, about you compared that. them to like the Mets like because they're like the lower like I don't want to say budget, but like they're like they like compared budget. to like the other the rest of the league when he compared the the Mets to the Yankees and the St. Pauli is the Mets. Yeah, so we we can get behind that. So yeah. you know, uh, St. Pauli Football Club wholeheartedly endorsed by a pot of their own. Thank you so much, Marcus, and we're so pumped that you enjoy the show all the way from Hamburg. That's really really cool. Yeah, um, like you kind of forget like you're speaking into a microphone how far you can reach. So yeah. it is kind of cool podcasts are worldwide so that's pretty exciting um so um we're gonna now um read a second email um from jeff um that poses a question for us so it says in part um i love meet the mets even my braves fan wife loves meet the mets it's fun it's a classic and it's just about everything you'd want a jingle to be except for that one line bring your kitties bring your wife It hasn't aged well, and for all the obvious reasons. Women, even wives, have human agency. Many people don't have and or don't want wives, etc. We feel that the Mets fandom deserves an update that remains true to the spirit and the meter of the original, but allows for a broader range of people to be represented by the song's second person. Thoughts? Um, So this is an excellent question by Jeff, um, and something that I have, like, briefly, uh, in passing at least, thought about in the past. Um, I agree that it's certainly dated and could use some tweaking. Um, It's one of those things, and, you know, we talked about this, we kind of, you know, alluded to it in the first part of this segment when we talked about the sign outside the Cubs press box. These things may not seem like a big deal when you take them on their surface, but these little things, and it's easy to brush them aside, but these little small things matter. And they build up and they build up. And it's just one more way that you feel like, you know, baseball isn't for you. You know what I mean? Um, And so that's just, yeah. Am I the only one who remembers that they did change it? They changed it for a little while, like a long time ago. It was hot dogs, green grass, all out of shay. Guaranteed to have a heck of a day. Does, am I, did I like... I don't think I hallucinated that. I think it was a real thing. I but... mean, I believe you. <laughs> no, it was real. No, it was real. I remember. Yeah. But then when they moved out of Shea, understandably, it was no longer applicable. But I, just, I think it's really interesting that they did have that that impulse was there. Yeah, so they so... must have known at one point, oh, we do have to change that lyric. Yeah, and it's and it was a good, like, it's a cute little catchy it rhyme. Was. So I feel like something something similar must be out there somewhere and like I don't want to you know I I love the song like I sang it really like slowly and quietly to the kids as like lullabies when they were itty bitty babies um oh, and like I, I know that song so much oh that. my god you guys you would not believe how many times I just sang that song Jesus but but I, I love it and I have a soft spot for it even even as is um but I do think like it there's got to be some little line like hot dogs, green grass, whatever, that just that feels natural, but is also a little more inclusive. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, you the city doesn't have the same rhymes as Shay, so that might not be the way to go. But there's got to be, like you said, there's got to be something that maybe more creative people than us can come with come up with and we're open to suggestions 
yeah, if you have suggestions, email them to the show. But um, or tweet them at us. Yeah, tweet them at us too. Um, a pod of their own on Twitter. Yes. Um, I remember we were we were talking to Brian Salvatore briefly about this, our fellow podcaster, um, and he said he su- suggested bring the people important in your life, which is kind of close because um, it does rhyme with wife, and so yeah. it would kind of work in the in the lyric. So that's that's one thing because you know it's not again you know not not only do wives have agency, but it's also you know what if you the female are the one going to the park and bringing your husband who doesn't like baseball usually but is coming with you yeah <laughs> you know that yeah. is my life or a single mother with her children you know that's entirely possible you know or an unwed person of any gender yeah <laughs> or a non- I... non-binary person who enjoys I baseball. keep coming back to like something about friends and the friend the, then the fun doesn't end I don't know. It, it needs workshopping for sure. Please, please Twitter tweet at us on this one yeah. because somebody's going to come up with something. Bring your yeah, family, it, bring your friends. <laughs> yeah, we're maybe the fun will never end. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> for the Mets, it usually does. That's just yeah. false advertising. It yeah, just, right? It feels like it doesn't end because each inning involves Jacob DeGrom throwing like 800 pitches and giving no, don't all these runs me. i'm no i'm not giving i'm not updating i'm just uh, saying they're all terrible <laughs> all this game will never end this game will never end <laughs> um but if you would like to be featured on one of these seventh inning stretch segments um please email the show we would love to hear from you um the email is aa dot a pod of their own at gmail.com so remember, aa.apodoftheirown at gmail.com. Email us if you want to be featured on one of these. Tweet at us. DM our um, A Pot of Their Own Twitter account. Any way you want to reach out to us, we would love to hear from you. Um, so we will conclude today's show um, with our usual final segment that we're calling Walk Off Wins, where each of us talks about what's making us happy this week. So Maggie, let's start with you. What's making you happy this week? Uh, what made me really happy this week, um, Zach Wheeler's walk numbers notwithstanding, was that Sunday was my first visit to City Field of the year. And it was a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, I was there with my son who had a wonderful time um, and who just thinks Mr. Met is is the greatest person on the planet. Um, and it was just it was just lovely. It was like picking up right where we left off last season. Uh, I mean, and when I say right where we left off, we don't get to see them win a lot of games. So that didn't feel out of the norm for us. Their Sunday record is pretty well established at this point. Um, so it didn't, didn't really bother us, but yeah, it was just, it was just so nice to be in kind of the, the, the ideal Mets atmosphere. And so I, that's my walk-off win. I just, I'm so happy to be back at the the stadium, going back again at the end of the month for my birthday. Like, like I, I want to, if the Mets are going to give up, tw- what was it, 12 walks? It felt like 12 walks. It was, it was 12 walks. Yeah. 12 yeah. walks. If they're going to give up 12 walks, then I want to be in the sun eating some French fries with the light of my life sitting next to me. That's what I want. 
that's the attitude. I can't wait to get to a game this year. I am so excited to get to a game. I don't know when that's going to happen yet. I'm, I'm still in Baltimore right now, so I don't know when that's going to happen. I might go to Camden Yards first before I go to City Field, and Lord knows I can get those tickets for $3. Um, so, you know, that'll be fun. But I'm just so excited to be back in a ballpark again, seeing live baseball in front of my face. It will be really fun. And, like, um, even if you're sad and miserable at the ballpark, it's better than being sad and miserable watching at home. Like, nothing beats. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Amen to that. And also, I have to give Maggie a shout out because she wrote an amazing article on the website about the parents' guide to City Field. And she gives great advice about um, how to taking your kids to the to the game. And if, you know, if there's parents out there who are anxious about taking their kids to the game for the first time maggie completely put you at ease and gives great advice so i think you should check that out on the website thank you linda and i would also say that like i would welcome any parents who have done so as well to like chime in i, I i'm sure that there are things that other folks have have experienced that um that i didn't touch on and like please like drop into the comment section there's been a really like lively, friendly conversation about kids, about the stadium, about all like it's a it's it's been a really fun post to to read the reactions to and and I would love to hear from you guys. Linda, what is your walk off win for this week? Well, since I changed the channel today, notwithstanding, <laughs> um, <laughs> today doesn't count. No, today doesn't. We're gonna count. ignore it's today. Shh, shh, yeah. <laughs> My walk off win is Jacob Degrom and his first two starts. And his only know, two starts. Yeah, the only it's two. two. It's, it's just, just two. two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, thinking back on it, he's probably the greatest pitcher in my lifetime that I've seen. Um, you know, every other pitcher has had you know maybe flashes or one good season, like Matt Harvey. Uh, you know, Dari Dickey, obviously, Johan Santana, plus you've had Hall Famers, Pedro, Glavin, them come through lighter in Hampton, you know, early, but nobody has been as consistently great as Jacob deGrom. And it's been an honor and a privilege to just watch him pitch every fifth day. And it makes me happy watching him pitch today, notwithstanding, even though it's not happening. Um, but, you know, and even after loving David Wright growing up and him, like, making me fall in love with baseball. It was like, what am I going to do when he's not there? And, you know, Jacob deGrom is now that guy. Like, he's must-see TV. Like, I have to get home. I have to watch today's game and watch him pitch. So I'm just so thankful that they did the right thing. They extended him. He's all ours for the next five years, and he makes me happy, and I will remain happy throughout the rest of the season. <laughs> no, I. what you said about passing the torch from David Wright is something that really resonated with me, Linda, because I felt really similarly when David yeah. Wright retired. And I felt like, you know, that was, that was the guy who I grew up watching. Um, that was the guy I idolized. That was the guy who was baseball for me. What am I going to do when he's, you know, not playing baseball anymore? And every fan goes through this at some point, yeah. um, their favorite player stops playing baseball at some point. Um, and you know, I was like, how am I going to get through this post David Wright world? And Jacob deGrom has made that transition so much easier than I could have imagined because he is that, that met now for me. So it's, it's been a privilege to watch him pitch, uh, tonight notwithstanding, he's still historically good and I'm not worried. This is just a blip in the radar. I'm not worried about Jake at all. No, I'm not either. 
Yeah. He's in, you know, you still can't take away his accomplishments of what he did last year. And even the streak, I know he didn't break it, but I mean, it's still, still pretty freaking good. To be in the same breath as Bob Gibson is pretty freaking amazing. He's historically good. Like he's, we are just so, so lucky to be able to watch him right now. And yeah, yeah like he's great. the one you'll be telling your kids about. Like I saw him pitch. Like, it, like you would not believe just how great he was. So like him and David Wright too. Like I don't think it makes me sad that people don't know how good he was in his prime right now. But, but I'm just glad that we at least have somebody who's still their superstar who they can rely on and who you can be proud as a Met. And I mean, even though we live in, you know, an internet age now, baseball is still very much a sport of oral history. Um, And I, you know, I think that, you know, us, you know, continuing to talk about David Wright and Jacob deGrom and how great they are is important for the next generation of Mets fans. So we're going to keep talking about it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Anyway, so Jake kind of connects in a weird way um, to my walk-off win, um, and I'll get to how it connects in a minute. But um, my walk-off win is that on Sunday morning, um, I ran the Cherry Blossom 10-miler in Washington, D.C., um, and it was the fifth year in a row that I've run that race. I I run it every year with friends of mine, um, and it's just a fun tradition that we do, and it makes me really happy. Every year it makes me happy, and this year it made me especially happy because the weather was gorgeous, and the blossoms were in full bloom and it was just you know an enjoyable run um and how it connects to Jacob deGrom is that you know I I I am not old by any stretch of the imagination I am in my late 20s but that's you know getting up there as far as like you know running age is concerned and you know being able to run um long distance at a high level um and I I have my times have gotten worse since my peak time in 2016 at this race. Um, and it just makes me appreciate athletes like Jacob deGrom and Justin Verlander even more that they are able to get even better in their thirties. That's amazing to me because me as a 28 year old running this race, I'm like, I'm getting worse. I'm old. <laughs> my knees are going, I can't run fast anymore. And it's like, I can already see my running decline. Um, and so, you know, it's not going to stop me from enjoying running and, you know, running races. It's just, I have to adjust my expectations. Uh, but you know, it, it makes me appreciate the feat of these athletes that are able to get even better who are already you know playing at an elite level to get even better in their 30s it's just something that blows my goddamn mind like (laughs) I injured myself sleeping a couple weeks ago so I yeah I don't know what it feels like to be peaking in your 30s it's not that's not on my radar no no Yeah, my running peak was in 2016, and I just, I admitted to, I said to my friend after this race, I was like, I mean, you know, I was relatively untrained for this race, a lot of stuff got in the way of my training this cycle, like writing my thesis, trying to get everything finished up, so, like, I wasn't expecting to run a fast time, but I'm starting to accept more and more, more and more, that even if I do train, like, rigorously in the future, that I'm, I don't think I'm ever gonna run a faster time than I ran in that 2016 race, I'm just too old now. (laughs) It's like that realization is kind of something else. Like I'm not going to stop running, but I've peaked already. I peaked in 2016. It's done. (laughs) Throw in the towel. It's it's over. It's over. Yeah, it's all downhill from here. (laughs) And I don't want to end the walk off wins on a sad note because that is very much not the point. I enjoyed the race. No, it's it's over for us. Yeah, (laughs) not for you. They still have hamper. 
opportunity. They still have the opportunity. Yeah. And I, you know, um, I enjoyed the race immensely. I had fun. I have fun every year. The blossoms were beautiful. If you are a person that enjoys running and enjoys racing, um, I highly recommend the Cherry Blossom 10 miler if you've never run it before. It's a flat course. So mercifully, there's that. There's virtually no hills in it whatsoever. Um, And it's just picturesque and beautiful and probably the most beautiful race course you'll ever run on. So that's what made me the happiest this week was that. Um, So, you know, with that, we will wrap things up this week. Um, you know, hopefully this Jacob deGrom start is just a blip in the radar and we'll get back what to... What Jacob deGrom start? Nothing. I don't know. You keep saying like that. I have no yeah. idea. Are you talking you know about the, Bra- the Brandon Nimmo today. home run start? That's I, the one that I saw. I, just, I had a stroke and I temporarily, you know, misplaced a game. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, nothing. So <laughs> join us next Wednesday um, for another episode of A Pot of Their Own in In the meantime, um, check out AmazingAvenue.com for all of our content, all of our game recaps. There there was no game tonight. It got rained out, so there's no recap for that. No game. Um, But, you know, you can check out recaps for all the other games. You can check out our pleas to sign Dallas Keuchel, um, among other fantastic content. Um, You can follow a pod of their own on Twitter. Um, You can follow me on Twitter. I am Petite PhD on Twitter. You can follow Maggie on Twitter. Where are you, Maggie? I am Maggie162. And you can follow Linda on Twitter. Linda, you are? I am at Linda Cernovich. Fantastic. So follow all of us on Twitter. Follow A Pot of Their Own on Twitter. Follow Mason Avenue on Twitter. Um, and we will see you next week. Don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting. And let's go. Next.